Please keep your Bibles open there at Colossians chapter 2. The focus of our application today are these three words at the end of verse 7. Overflowing with thankfulness. Thankfulness is easily overlooked. It's easily forgotten about. It can become more easily a habit to not have thankfulness than to have thankfulness. Thankfulness is mentioned seven times in Colossians. Can you follow with me please? Chapter 1, verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Starting with thanksgiving for Paul in his letters is not a code or a formula for making it sound more authentic or getting it into the grade that'll get it included in the Bible. Uh, It is Paul's perspective on life through knowing Jesus clearly to be thankful. Or down in verse 12, still in chapter 1, verse 12. He is joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you believers to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Or over in chapter 3, verse 15. Now, it wasn't just a a token thankfulness to get the letter underway. Verse 15, chapter 3. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Continuing on in verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude or thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now it's not just about gathering together and singing, verse 17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Paul's not finished yet, chapter 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Now, when I think about overflowing, and we chatted about overflowing for a little while before, I think of having more than what you need. Whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, whether it's overflowing toilet uh, or overflowing dams or overflowing bank account, overflow is to have more than what you need. And this is the mindset for staying rooted in Christ, for being built up in Him, for being strengthened in the faith, is to have a mindset of overflowing, sweat-oozing thankfulness. Research done by psychologists consistently report that there are positive effects of having a life of thankfulness and gratitude. The Harvard Medical School, in a journal, says this, gratitude, or thankfulness, gratitude, helps people feel more positive emotions, relish good experiences, improve their health, deal with adversity, and build strong relationships. That's what the psychological experts uh, have to say consistently over the years. But when we think about gratitude or thankfulness, it is more than feeling glad. It is more than being happy. It is a perspective on life. And for the Christian, I think it's this. 
Thankfulness is a grateful perspective on everything because of everything Christ Jesus is Lord. It's a grateful perspective on everything because of the everything that you know of, it is under the Lordship of Jesus. Thankfulness is a great pers- grateful perspective on everything because of everything, Christ Jesus is Lord. And so where our gratitude might be diminished or our thankfulness absent, perhaps Jesus' Lordship is diminished or absent in this part of our life. Now, I'm not picking up on this today as a kind of New Year strategy or for making our lives go better this year. This is a life-saving warning. See the strength with which Paul says it in verse 8, chapter 2, verse 8? See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. Is there a greater horror for a parent than to have a child kidnapped? A couple of weeks ago, as part of... Uh, summer camps and that kind of thing. I had our boys across on the coast and one afternoon we were at a busy beach park. Hundreds of people uh, round about. Lots of kids that all look quite alike. Uh, Hard to see them going in and out of the crowds on the beach and in the park and around the toilet block. And one of our friends who was a local, she was super concerned, super heightened in her alert about uh, Joel and Ollie, my seven and nine-year-old or thereabouts. I think he had a birthday this week and he turned ten. <laughs> oh, he so did. Anyway, our friend was super alert, super concerned about them going off to the toilet on their own on the other side of the park. She was alert to the danger of kidnapping. Now, Paul gives a very strong warning here in verse 8 about the danger of spiritual kidnapping, of being taken captive spiritually. And so he says, beware, be on your guard that you are not taken by somebody that you do not belong to. Someone or something other than Christ. And what Paul is going to say to guard against spiritual kidnapping, we need to remember who we are, who we belong to. Verses 9 to 15, we need to stick with the family, not the stick family, we need to stick with family, stick with who we are, stick with who we belong to. And in verses 9 to 15, Paul uses three fairly crude, not rude, crude words to describe who we are as family, in a very rich and secure way. The words are circumcised, buried and raised. Circumcised is a symbolic practice 
that was given to God's Old Testament people to show among the males in the, among God's family, that, among God's people, that their family belonged to God. Symbolic practice given by God to his Old Testament people to show among the male members that their family belonged to God. That's the first word, circumcised. The second word, buried. Buried is the final point of death. Where life, as we know it, is ended and gone. Second word, buried. The third word, raised. A little bit more positive, uh, perhaps for us, in feeling than the other uh, two words. Uh, the, the, the hope and the certainty of a new life beginning. We got circumcised, buried and raised. These three fairly crude words describe who we are in a rich and secure way. You want to follow with me again? In chapter 2, verse 9, and listen for those three words. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Deity is a way of talking about God, the living God who made all things and rules over all things. He lives in bodily form in Jesus, verse 10. And you, you Christians, you who belong to Jesus, have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In Him, in Christ, you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. This is the family identity, circumcised, buried, raised. This is true for all who receive Christ Jesus as Lord and continue with Christ as Lord. Verse 13, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. When you forget that you belong to Christ... When you forget the family that you belong to, if you wander out from under his lordship, if you distance yourself from the family, you're in a vulnerable position for spiritual kidnapping. Now, who is doing spiritual kidnapping? Who is the stranger who is the danger? To us. Well, in verses 16 to 23, Paul warns the Colossian Christians about persuasive suggestions for fullness in life that is apart from Christ. This is the stranger that is the danger. Persuasive suggestions that you can have life to the full apart from Christ. These persuasive suggestions, they'll come in the form of 
religious practices and impressive disciplines that we see advocated by others. It'll come in the form of of wise-sounding philosophy that comes from impressive people. It'll come in the form of new spiritual approaches to life that offers you a well-being that is better than where you're at in life now. It'll come in the form of a a return to old traditions that seem uh, tried out and and, and proven by time that have an appeal for us, a, a, a desire for something classic. Now what Paul is talking about here, verses 16 to 23, is something that is very familiar to the Christians in the first century, the dangers that are there, but they're just as much a danger for us in 2019. Perhaps not new moon festivals or or return to Sabbath traditions or, or return to Old Testament practices or any other kind of things, but we're just as much open to religious practices and impressive disciplines that are apart from Christ. We're just as much to be drawn into wise sounding philosophies from impressive people that are apart from Christ. Just as much every day we see and experience new spiritual approaches to life that are offering us a well-being that'll move us along to a better place in life than where we are now. Every single day we're hearing about old ways that sometimes we go maybe that was the way that was just tried and proven and we have this appeal to something classic just as much as these were dangers in the first century in all their different forms they're a danger to us in the 21st century in all their different forms anything that offers life to the full apart from Christ is stranger danger Anyone that lures you away from who you belong to. Paul is on high alert to this. Verse 16, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. If anyone comes in and suggests that the way that you are doing life connected to Christ and part of his family is not good enough, Paul's saying, don't let them judge you. Stick with Jesus. Verse 17, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he's seen and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. He has lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, the body of Christ, the body of the church, the family supported and is held together by its ligaments and sinews. It grows as God causes it to grow. You're not missing out on fullness. Verse 20, since you died with Christ, to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Paul wants to be very clear here. Do not handle. Do not taste. Do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. I'd love to keep going on into chapter 3 because it really ramps up even further. We've got that next week with Brock. Paul is on high alert 
about the stranger danger. Now, you and I can very quickly and rightly put into the category of spiritual stranger danger other religions and the extreme uh, uh, spiritual practices that we might come across. Yet, the stranger danger that we need to watch out for, that we need to be alert to, is much, much more subtle. I can say to you with probably 110% certainty, as much as I know myself across my 21 years, plus 19 others, I am very unlikely to be taken captive by fundamentalist Islamic terrorism. Not, not taken captive as in kidnapped by a fundamentalist Islamic terrorist, but to be somebody who's captivated by that. You would be very surprised, wouldn't you, if I came out as an ISIS member. Uh, that, that I can, as much as I know my life, that is really, really unlikely. And so it's really right and easy to put that in the category of stranger danger, but it's not really a danger to me. I'm more likely to be spiritually kidnapped by something that looks very Christian. Something that claims to make a difference in the world very quickly and does. Something that that looks Christian and makes a difference in the world and where people will pat me on the back for it. That's as much as I know my 40-year-old heart and spiritual self is what I'm more likely to be spiritual kidnapped by. If you want to be on alert for me, don't worry about looking out for Islamic terrorists coming who are going to who, who tempt me to join their cause. Watch out for things that look Christian, that make a difference in the world where people might pat me on the back for it. That is what might kidnap me to find a fullness that is apart from Christ. I could go through every passion and love that I have in life and I did run through some of them last night and looked at how each one of those could be that danger. We could jump on the internet now and grab someone at random and jump onto your Facebook timeline and stalk it and look at what is going on there that might be stranger danger. We could construct a wallpaper of our Instagram photos, just the ones that don't fit the family photo album. We're not going to do this. And we wouldn't do it to have a kind of superiority amongst one another but out of a loving concern like my friend had at the beach for my children. We need to give as much stress to spiritual abduction as physical abduction. 
And here's what you can do to up your spiritual vigilance. It's what Paul says in these last three words of verse 7, overflow with thankfulness. Now, if overflow means to have more than you need, you need more thankfulness than you need. You need more thankfulness than you need. That's a constant and conscious, thankful realisation of how good life is with Jesus. Now, I said earlier, thankfulness is a grateful perspective on everything because of everything, Christ Jesus is Lord. And so where our gratitude is diminished or our thankfulness is absent, perhaps Jesus' Lordship is diminished or absent in this part of our life. Or where our gratitude might be focused on something that cannot be brought under the Lordship of Jesus. That, that could be the thing that kidnaps us. It is serious stuff. Now, our application is to overflow with thankfulness. I'm going to suggest to you a habit that I've been working on for about six months. It's a habit of noting down one new thing each day that I'm consciously thankful for. It's doing two things for me. One, to have a greater realisation of Jesus' loving providence over my life, over all of it, over every single moment of it. It's growing that greater realisation. And the second thing it's doing, this is in the stranger danger part, it's making me more sensitive to the things that capture my time and my passions that I'm thankful for, but that don't have Jesus at the centre. I use an app on my phone that prompts my memory. A little alarm goes off every day to tell me, ding, ding, <laughs> grateful time. Uh, and and, and uh, um, it, it, it keeps a record so that I can look back over it. You could use a calendar, you could use a diary, you could use a notebook, you could use a journal, you could use a very, very, very good memory. Our application today is to overflow with thankfulness. And I'm finding helpful to develop the habit of noting down daily one new thing that I'm thankful for. Let's start with that right now. For yourself, note down one thing that you are thankful to Jesus for. One thing in your life, something that captivates your, your time, your passions. You might like to write it down, stick it in your phone. You might just like to remember it for now or write it in the margin of your Bible. So if, as I'm encouraging you, when you go home today... Plug that into a system that can be a habit in your life for the next six months, six years, 66 years. That 
is entry number one in your OWT journal, your overflowing with thankfulness journal. You need more thankfulness than you need. And I trust and pray that as you overflow with thankfulness, you'll remember who you are, you'll remember who you belong to, and you'll stick with the family.